Welcome to WDFG, broadcasting Dear Final Girl, the advice and horror podcast where we dish on life and other scary movies. Every final girl has a story. So does her Jason, her Freddy, her Michael. So do we horror fans. This episode is part of our adjunct series, Origin Stories, where horror fans recount the horror movie memories that made them who they are today. Hello, final girl. Hi, final girl. How's it going? Oh, it's wonderful. How are you doing? Pretty good. It's a beautiful Sunday afternoon here in Nashville, Tennessee. Fall is definitely in the air. Oh my gosh. Oh my yes. God. It was low 40s today, which I don't think we've felt since April. Yeah. Yeah. Lovely. So, took a little bit longer to get out for my run this morning. <laughs> but you know, it always, when you go out there, it's like, it's better in like five minutes. Oh yeah. It's yeah. just the initial shock. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the winter, it's like even changing your clothes is painful. If it's a little drafty in your house, it's like, <laughs> I don't want this on my skin. Yeah. <laughs> um, my, my son just turned three, so we had a little bit of a party yesterday, and he got a um, bubble lawnmower. So like a little nice. lawnmower that you push around and like... It'll do bubbles, but it's really, it's highly inefficient. (laughs) (laughs) And it doesn't cut the grass either. Yeah. Uh, But it also makes a noise. So he's been out mowing the lawn. He was out there (laughs) like 8.15. He was like, throw away your breakfast. We are going, like, we are going outside to mow the lawn. That is awesome. I just took a thing of coffee outside and sat there while he (laughs) Walked back and forth in the front lawn. That is so awesome, though. I mean, I remember weekends as a kid. It was just like, get up as early as possible, get outside, play with your friends, and you don't come home until the sun goes down. Yeah. I mean, that those were the days. Yeah, but then, you know, kids would get abducted. It was that, <laughs> you know, and then you had to be afraid of, like, the ice cream man because, you know. Yeah. Because the ice cream man was Ed Gein. Yeah. <laughs> Panel vans and, you know, just razor blades and uh, oh, and the Halloween, Halloween candy, candy yeah. and satanic panic. You know, just all those great things about when we grew yeah. up. Yeah, but, the, the, you know, but we still had latchkey kids. So. <laughs> yep. We did. We were. We, I, was, I think I was that generation. Mm-hmm. I was that generation. I'm Gen X, baby. Mm-hmm. I'm like elder millennial. Elder, I <laughs> love that term. Geriatric millennial. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, uh, now that we're already talking about the past. Oh my, yeah, uh, nice segue. Yeah, our origin story is from Miss Lori Bierman today. Yeah, it's, I finally got around to scribbling some stuff down <laughs> and I'm sure I'll ramble, but... Uh, yeah, yeah, so we're doing, we're targeting two episodes a month, one letter, one origin story, and this week you got me, guys. Yay! Yay. I'm very excited. I'm <laughs> very excited. I'm, you know, got my... <laughs> oh, look at my, that. Oh, my fancy, uh, fountain pen. Are you going to analyze me while I... Yeah, lay down on the couch. Okay. <laughs> no problem. I'd be happy to lay down. <laughs> Well, I wondered kind of how I would organize this, and it's it's pretty much chronological, which I think 
just for me made sense in a lot of ways because it's sort of like what what scared me first you know what scared me first and like what kept scaring me and how Mm -hmm. did that change and how were places and people involved you know involved and so that's kind of how it'll roll out awesome so the funny thing is is that the first movie that ever scared me I don't remember seeing the first time (laughs) so I was about six years old And Creature from the Black Lagoon came on the television. And as soon as it came on, this little voice in my brain said, oh no, not this again. And I was like, I must have seen this before. Like, I must have seen this when I was maybe like three or four. I had no memory of the specifics of the film. I just remember that is the thing that scared me. So the memory was a memory of the experience of fear. Right. And it terrified me. Absolutely terrified me. But if you ask me, like, how, do I, how old was I when I... I know I had to have seen it before then. I Because it just... It was such an instant, visceral reaction. Wow. So that was pretty cool. Um, and Stephen King talks about this... I'm not going to get the wording right, but he did this He did this special for TNT called A Night at the Movies. Mm-hmm. And he's just such a good, like, surveyor of the horror genre. And he talked about, like, the first time you see a movie, you know, you're, you're, you're genuinely scared. Right. And the second time, you know, you're still a little creeped out. And then over time, it just, it diminishes. You, you know, that experience of real fear goes away but not like the memory of the fear that I think like hooks you and keeps you either watching a lot of these movies again and again or just and also just wanting more and more Mm -hmm. which is I think is a pretty common common horror fan experience right right And then another one that you know I'm, I'm not gonna like psychoanalyze all horror fans but I would say that, you know, at least for a healthy percentage of us, uh, horror begins at home. <laughs> you know, we've had our fair share. We all have. We, like, growing up is a bitch, you yeah. know? It's really hard. And then if you have um, just some extra experiences on top of that that make you feel not so safe, right. not so secure, not so, like, everything's going to be okay, then I think maybe it creates a little place in you that wants to try to understand what, you know, I'm scared all the time, <laughs> you know, right. let me try to understand this in a way that it is like navigable, right? Mm-hmm. So when I think about horror beginning at home, I cannot help but think of my, my Mima, which is the term that we use in the South for grandmother. Um, I don't think, I think it's a Southern thing. I do. Yeah. yeah so. Yeah. Mima. 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 We're going to Mima's house. Oh, man. No, Mima's I'm making biscuits. Yes, she is. She's put her teeth in today because it's a special occasion. <laughs> Seriously, that did, <laughs> that was... Yeah, during holidays, the dentures went in, holidays, birthdays, that kind of thing. Okay, so I loved my Mima for so many reasons, Uh, not the least of which was she had a collection of of comic books that were on the bottom shelf uh, of the bookcase uh, for when the grandbabies came over. 
to my knowledge, I'm the only one who read these things. Like, I don't ever remember seeing any of my cousins, male or female, read these. And she had Archie, and I, I love those. Like, I read those. But she had just, like, a treasure trove of, like, classic horror comics. So this is, like, the late, this is, like, the 70s. So Ghost Manor, Tales from the Crypt. And then there was this one issue of Horror Tales, November 1971, and that destroyed every piece of innocence, you know, that my six-year-old brain (laughs) could have. I mean, this was, it had the goriest cover. The stories were just horrible. This was not like PG horror. Mm -hmm. This was really gruesome shit. And I absolutely, like, I have had a lifelong love affair with that particular comic. And then many years later, actually, it's been within the past few years, I actually got a copy of it. Oh, really? Yeah. Now, here's the thing, is that that thing, that that horror comic, I never took it from my memos. I never asked if I could take it. Hey, I really like this. Can I take it home? It was just like it was in this special place. It was supposed to it was supposed to be there. It was waiting for me. And every single time I went to her house, I read it again. I read it every single time. And I always wondered, I was, you know, there are different people in my family who've been interested in horror. So when I was an adolescent, my older sisters, I would see them reading Stephen King books, mm-hmm. which got me into that. But a, tr- a really horrible thing happened in my Mima's house, which was, and this is long before I was born, one of her children actually committed suicide oh, in that house. Oh, and and she, and she cleaned it up. Oh, she, would not, she would not let anyone go anywhere near. She insisted upon handling it herself. So I'm guessing it was a... A, a son... A, bless, a bloody... Yeah, he shot himself. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, he shot himself. And so I always knew growing up that this horrible thing mm-hmm. had happened in that house, and so it seemed to be a place of of secrets, like kind of both good and bad, mm-hmm. but definitely some dark stuff. And, and I always wondered, like, why would my grandmother buy these horror comics for... Usually the older, the older generation doesn't feed their... <laughs> you know the little ones that stuff and so I was like it just it always made me wonder if if there was some some attraction some some attempt to understand I I don't know Mm -hmm. I I don't know I never asked I mean I wouldn't have known or thought to ask at that time but that was you know that was that was like yeah that was that was tell me about these horror comics grandma yeah Mima. tell me about the good old horror days (laughs) Mima. The next horror film um, that really scared me, it was just the trailer because I was way too young to have seen it. Mm -hmm. In 1978, this movie came out called Magic. And it was basically about, well, what you're led to believe about a killer, a killer ventriloquist dummy. This trailer, which we think we're going to like splice in for you guys, so I'll take a little, a little, you know, a little editing pause so we can maybe do that, was absolutely terrifying. It was a extreme close-up of this just horrific dummy's face 
saying these really terrible things. Um, and this, and then they were playing this trailer like all the time. Anthony Hopkins was in this movie. <clears throat> Excuse me. They're playing this trailer all the time. It scared the hell out of me. This trailer scarred all children my age, like if they saw it, because parents were like calling in and complaining, like, please, for the love of God, stop playing this trailer during these hours because you are traumatizing my child. <laughs> so it's the first, you know, I did, I did not see that movie until I was... Maybe not even until I was in my early 40s. It's like I waited. It was like on. Mm -hmm. I, I always knew I needed to go there because it had scared me so much. Mm -hmm. But I waited a really long time to watch it. And then what it ended up being about was, was like I think a common theme of a lot of horror films. Or, you know, I mean a fair number. Human beings that are, for whatever reason, in a lot of pain. There's, there's a loss, there's a grief, there's a trauma, and things manifest <clears throat> because the emotion is so, is so outsized mm -hmm. and so hard to deal with that um, it manifests externally. Um, and so what was, to me as a child, like, oh my God, like, that is a horror movie. That is a terrifying movie. <laughs> You watch it and it's just it's pretty it's pretty sad. <coughs> There's a love story that's wrapped up in it, and uh, it just it just reminds me of that really close relationship between horror and grief, you know, thematically mm -hmm. that I think is in a lot of films and books and all that kind of stuff. So there there was an element of that trailer for Magic that was like an auditory experience because I think the first time. I quote unquote saw the tra trailer. I actually heard it from another room. And uh -huh. I'm like, what the hell is this? You know, <laughs> I don't like this. <laughs> so, another really strong horror experience I had was also auditory and not visual. Um, when I was growing up, my bedroom was right off the kitchen, and we had a tiny little TV in the kitchen. And I, I feel like so much of this horror stuff happened when I was like six years old. I just feel like there was a lot that I saw and was exposed to at, at age six. So, you know, it's like late one night. I'm like already in bed. I'm laying in my bed. My sister's watching what I did not realize at the time. But she's watching when a stranger calls. I'm laying in my bed alone in the dark hearing this movie. And, of course, hearing that very iconic line, the calls are coming from inside the house. Mm-hmm. I, if you could have taken a picture of me in my bed, like I clutched my little covers <laughs> all the way up under my nose. My eyes were probably like big as saucers. It absolutely terrified me. It terrified me so bad that the entire, I swear to you, the entire rest of the time that I lived in that house, we had multiple phones. Okay. And I, every time the phone rang when I was there alone, I was convinced that somehow one of those phones was on a separate line and there was somebody in the house. Like, uh -huh. I mean, I'm talking, I saw this, I heard this when I was six. And until I left home at like 18, every, every single time, every single time. So there's kind of like a big jump here. Because I, I don't remember watching a ton of horror movies as an adolescent, mainly because like I wouldn't have been allowed to. Mm -hmm. That's like when books 
came in and that's when I started reading Stephen King and we've I know you are such a a super fan too (laughs) and how like just how important it was to discover him and I remember going to the library and checking out to check out one of his books I was probably like 12 years old and the 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 woman at the the local public library was like you know kind of gave me that shrewd look over the counter was like are you sure that you should be reading this and i was just like yes you know and i'm sitting you know the whole time inside i'm like please let me check it out please let me check it out please right. let me check it please let me check it out please and she did <laughs> and she and i was just i mean that was just the start of something huge mm-hmm. too and we should definitely talk about that cuz i know uh I know that uh, I know that Stephen King is really big for you too. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of jumping ahead, the next thing that kind of came to mind because I'm doing this chronologically was like discovering Joe Bob Briggs okay. on Monster Vision, and this was my first experience. It was the first of a certain kind of experience that was like, wow, horror is like really smart. Like you can talk about horror in a legitimate way right. like it's it's a real genre it's not just like the trash bin of mm-hmm. art you know and he really made that come to life you know and totally continues to and the one episode now I was not like I wasn't the kid that was like every Saturday night you know I, it wasn't that um it wasn't that frequent for me, but it still made a huge impression. And I will never, the one episode that I will always remember from the Monster Vision days was he did, he, he showed uh, Exorcist 2, the, the Heretic, <laughs> which is a god awful movie. And the director, like, his intent was to bring in the philosophies of Pierre Tyler Duchardin. And it was like this, and and he said that name, like Joe Bob must have said that name like 27 times. <laughs> and the funny thing is, is when I got older, I actually looked him up uh-huh. and he's an amazing man. Um, now, I don't know if the, if an Exorcist 2 sequel is the time to try to introduce somebody to his philosophies of life. Yeah. But he was both a, I can't remember that, he was Catholic, I don't remember what kind of like, what do you call that, like Franciscan, Gregor, like, what do you, I don't know what you call that. Uh, sect. Yeah, sect, maybe. I don't know what sect was he, he was. Was he a monk? <clears throat> he was, I don't think he was a monk, he was a priest, and he was also a scientist, he was a paleontologist. Huh. So look him. Order? Order, that's okay. it, order, yeah. So anyway. Look him up. <laughs> we'll have to. I'll have to put that yeah, name yeah, <laughs> in a tweet for right. sure. Um, really flashing forward, I remember when the It miniseries came out in the nineties. Mm-hmm. I will always love that one the best. But I recognize that, like, just what all those movies did for me, like the new It films, like they're creating a whole new generation of horror fans, and mm-hmm. that I absolutely, absolutely love. Um, I could not watch The Exorcist until I was maybe 25. Like, I literally remember working myself up. Like, I had to make this commitment. Like, I'm doing it. Tonight, I'm doing it. I'm going to watch it. I just 
because to me growing up you know you heard all about like the crucifix and the right yeah, uh, all yeah. that stuff and i was like oh my god you know it like, like a <clears throat> sorry maybe, maybe no i mean <laughs> it's still pretty intense when you watch it um but yeah. and i think you know finally finally got around to watching it and, and love i've seen it countless times at this point and at this point i just i really consider it this really in dark intense psychological drama and it just happens to be that this little girl is possessed by a demon i mean it's definitely a horror film but there's so many other things about it that make it special you yeah. know um i saw texas chainsaw massacre against my will sort of uh, I was over at a girlfriend's house, and she had a guy friend over, mm-hmm. and he's like, oh, let's watch this. And we were totally traumatized by the end of it, but kind of like that faux anger, like, wow, did you make us watch this? Like, we're so mad at you right now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and we, like, secretly loved it. And footnote on that, that guy, Derek, who showed me that movie, I met again 20 years later, um, when I went to a local horror meetup group and he's like the organizer and I'm like, Oh my God, Derek. And of course I immediately, <laughs> you've been doing this. yes, he'd been doing the traumatizing people all these years. I said, of course that was like the first thing I said after we established that we knew each other. It's like, I will never forgive you for it. Of course. I'm super glad he introduced me to that. I will never forgive you for making the rest of my life exactly how it should be. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And I think just so I don't go on and on forever, I will say two two last things. The thing that made me a hardcore horror fan was Dario Argento. Mm-hmm. Like when I discovered Dario Argento, it was like late 90s blockbuster video, always headed straight to the horror section. And there was this documentary called Dario Argento's World of Horror. And it had the most horrible picture on the spine that you can imagine. Like, what is <laughs> yeah. this? I got to get this. And I just was completely entranced, you know, by his his style of filmmaking, his the cinematography, the music. And I think that's kind of like, that's sort of like phase two, you know, of right. me as a horror fan. And mm-hmm. I just, I feel like I've... I've never looked back. That really cemented something in a deeper way that I this genre is really important to me and I want to watch it like all the time. <laughs> so, yeah. Is, is phase two the quest for Dario <laughs> Argento's gold? I don't know. <laughs> or Dario Argento's giallo? Maybe. <laughs> oh, 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 his giallo. <laughs> uh, so, I think that... Oh, sorry, I don't want to step on. Well, the very la- the yeah. very last thing I will say is like I just you know the common thing to to all of us really is it's not just the movies, it's the people, mm-hmm. you know. And I, I you know I mentioned the horror meetup group, my friend Derek, all my friends that are in that group. Uh, my Mima played her role, <laughs> and then my friend Nick, my friend Nick, who I've been friends with like over half my life, and we get together every Halloween and watch horror movies all weekend long and um covid put the kibosh on that last year it may do it this year too i'm not sure but um and then i think what you and i are doing together Mm -hmm. that we're doing this podcast and it's just you know and even my even my boyfriend like 
I don't think he was not into horror as much before he met me, mm-hmm. but he totally supports my habit. He feeds my habit. <laughs> and I kid you not, and this has happened probably five or six times since we've been together. If he sees that I'm stressed out, he will cue up John Carpenter's theme from Halloween <laughs> on YouTube on his phone. And like it immediately, it like immediately calms me down. It immediately calms me down. Wait, 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 wait. The, one of the most stressful, (laughs) like, that to me is, like, when you go to a haunted house and they start playing that music, I'm like, oh, no. It is, you know, in certain environments, it's terrifying. In others, and uh, the way I put it, it's like like slipping into a warm bath, as Mm -hmm. Hannibal Lecter said in Red Dragon. (laughs) It just, you know, and I think that's a cool thing about horror. It's this, like, it's, it's fear, it's terror. But it's also like, it, it's like our steady, you know. Mm-hmm. It I think for a lot of us, it has a calming effect as well. And especially repeated, there's a lot tied up with like repeated viewings of things, yeah. you know. A lot of predictability. But, um, but yeah, I guess, I guess that's, it's, it's definitely a part of my life. <laughs> and so I think that what's really cool and like, I think you're an incredibly smart person. You're incredibly smart and uh, well-spoken and uh, like what comes out in your uh, origin story is a little bit of that where like you got into Argento because you watched a... uh, a documentary about it first and so yeah. from a like a a theorizing level and a philosophical level where somebody is like you know examining a body of work yeah and then you're like oh yeah okay this is cool or like the pathway through joe bob where it, it is this like higher level um like I mean, you said it, that uh, horror is legit. It's it's an art form that is fun and, you know, full of terror, but also, like, it's it's a legit art form. It's smart, and, it, it, like, you can really explore a lot of very complex themes through horror. And I feel like I'm kind of, like, two-sided when it comes to horror because when I write about it, I feel like I get more intellectual about it. Mm-hmm. But as a viewer, I I am probably one of the least critical <laughs> film viewers of right. horror because I just love it so much. I like to just sit back mm-hmm. and enjoy it. Like this happens time and time again like when we do our podcast. You are so good. And we're both English majors. We know about metaphor and symbols and all that stuff. And um, I feel like you consistently identify more of those things, uh, you know, than I do. And I'm always so impressed. And I'm like, man, I just, I don't know. I guess I just, it's like sitting back and eating a bag of potato chips. You just consume (laughs) all of the goodness and, yeah. And then deal with the heartburn later. Yeah. I I think that a lot for me is that I have to dissociate 
um, disassociate, what, however you say that, but um, because I can be so intensely connected to the story um, that I sometimes like have to step back and be like, okay, what does this mean? Because this, this is a story. This is a story. <laughs> and that makes me want to watch these films to try to watch them in a more deliberate way. Sometimes I'm able to do that. Mm-hmm. And I, even a movie I have seen, I mean, God, I'm telling you like hundreds of times at this point. If I if I go into it trying to watch it that way, I almost always experience it in a slightly different way, almost in a way that makes some aspect of it feel new, mm-hmm. which is a really cool way to to be able to continue like loving these classic films and keep them alive. Right. You know, not mm-hmm. just through repeated, just through the act of repeated viewing, but through just like, I just like kind of want to like tap into this with all my senses and mm-hmm. with an open mind and see what comes out this time. Right, right. Um, I'm really excited to watch this uh, thriller for, or the trailer for Magic. <laughs> And I said I was going to take an editing pause, and I don't know if I did. No, I don't so think you did, but that's okay. We can um, always tack it on at the end or something, or maybe. Or just share it on social media. Yeah. Like, ooh. And, and yeah, let's do that. We're low. We, I want to keep, let's keep things low. I have an autoplay on so that it just starts going as they're That would be really <laughs> awesome. I'm going to, you may not Traumatize want to have your children movie. around, or you may, especially if you're trying to. You know, raise your children in the uh, in the fold, in the horror fold. One of the things I think is really interesting about your story is that you seem to have had a lot of um, unintentional or like third party exposure as a kid, and then as an adolescent, people are trying to protect you from it. Like you weren't oh. allowed to watch movies, or, but your like your sister was. Your older sister was watching when a stranger called, so she was allowed to watch him, but you... Yeah. How did... All right, I'm mad at her all over again. (laughs) Damn it. Sibling rivalry reinvigorated. But, you know, like, I think... I think that, though, there is something to that where we think that little kids don't understand things and that they don't get things. I can say for certain that my son gets things. Like... (laughs) He, and he is three. He's three. Yeah. He, yeah. He, he'll ask me questions like, what are, where did you get that? Okay. All right, buddy. <laughs> like, too yeah. smart for your own good. Yeah. Um, but I don't, we don't have to talk about my parenting philosophy, but I don't think that's a reason to try to shelter kids from things because they understand it, because then they start to understand it outside of your ability to like help them contextualize yeah yeah and I think that I mean there is definitely an argument to be made that kids should not be exposed to like certain levels of like violence on tv there is definitely an argument to be made and at the same time like there's so many of us 
we fans who were. I mean, like I saw. I mean, I know a guy. I, if I remember this correctly, he's in the horror meetup group. He was like, I saw Friday the Thirteenth when I was three years old, or but somebody saw Texas Chainsaw Massacre when they were like four or five. Mm-hmm. And That's you know, gory. I know. Actually, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is not gory. Really? It is not. It or is, is it not just chasing a woman around. It's with a it's constant or... chasing and screaming. <laughs> you know, and um. There's very little blood at all, and you don't. See, it's not like now where you see like a close-up of like a throat being cut, <laughs> yeah, you know. All the tendons. Exactly, and, uh, gurgling out, and <laughs> yeah, that was in the horror tales. I maybe have to put a picture of that. Um, but like, there's definitely. But part of me, just being a fan, that's like, and these movies have brought me so much joy. I'm like, uh, yeah. It, why not? <laughs> you know, and I do see um, in some of the social media groups, um, people will say, "Hey, you know, my kid is interested in, in watching some scary stuff. How can I like? Right. How can I like ease them in? You know, nothing too. And depends on their age. You know, right. nothing too crazy. But I don't know. Huh. I don't know. What would you be? What would you recommend for a good first horror movie? I feel like I would want to introduce a kid to like maybe like some of the black and white classics of uh-huh. the of the fifties because it's more about what's suggested and the foreboding and that's plenty enough to scare. Um, but it would also get, introduce you know a kid to like start them way back, you know, mm-hmm. like with some of the earliest films of horror. I know that's not the 50s. I mean, you could go back to like the 20s yeah. and 30s. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think that, like maybe maybe Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. Um, Frankenstein or Frankenstein's monster? Sorry. <laughs> I'm just going by the title of the film. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, maybe something something like that. Maybe not Dracula is the first one. I don't know. Yeah, I feel like maybe Frankenstein. Hmm. That's a good question. Not Creature from the Black Lagoon. Ooh. I think I would want him to be just like a little bit older. Mm-hmm. Not suit. Not like a teenager, but maybe like okay, like you're like nine or something. Right. But that's crazy. It's so hypocritical. Max and I watched Gremlins the other day. Well, this is several months ago, and I was like, "This is scary." I don't uh, know. Yeah, (laughs) but also if you think about it, okay, the Lion King, Mufasa gets thrown off a cliff. You don't, you know, it's suggested whatever. Well, and it's like Stephen King said in that one special. He's like, when people ask me. The first movie that ever scared me, he's like, I tell him, it was Bambi. Mm-hmm. You know, when they're like trapped in the fire and the mom dies. And that yep. is horrifying for yeah. a kid because it's loss of control. Part of it is loss of control. And you could think, oh, is that going to happen at my house? Mm-hmm. Is that going to, can that happen to me? And most of the other Disney characters, well, maybe not. I was going to say the most of them who have lost a parent, the parent is lost prior to the movie starting, but I guess not. I was just talking about um, Lion King where he doesn't. Um, but like, 
like Cinderella, her mom is already gone. Snow White, her mom is already gone. Mm-hmm. Um, See, that's why they have these Danny issues. Yeah. Because her mom's gone. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that so many of, so much of our current uh, pop culture and newer um, movies tend to walk that line too. Like they introduce these elements that are scary and probably because, you know, it's not a good story if you don't have that. But um, yeah. And talk a little bit like as we, as we wrap up, talk again about like what Stephen King meant for you and like how you, how you, how did you get that first little book in your mitts and, Oh, my parents had the Bachman books in nice. our guest room. My dad had bought them, and so it was like a, a big black collection of uh, all or several of the Bachman books. Um, so it had like um, the Long Walk in there, which was intense, um, and Running Man, maybe. Yeah, maybe thinner. Sure, if that one was in the book, um, so we had that, and I really liked all of those. And so then, and then how old were you when you read those? Maybe I know we were living in Cincinnati, so it was over. I think I was probably 10 or 11. Wow, yeah, because then there was this used bookstore that we would go to, and that's where I went. Every time. Library, I would go to the Stephen King section. And <laughs> the, the used bookstore. Because somewhere in there, gosh, I read it. Or I started to read it. I think I've talked about this before. I, my, it is The Exorcist for you. Gotcha. I still have not seen it. I have not seen... Now I'm thinking like, okay, would I read the book first or would I... Uh, watch the movies first I think that I would have to watch the recent movie first and then do the mini series and then read the book because I'm always so much closer to the book yeah and I think that that has something to do with how I watch movies because I didn't watch a lot of movies as a kid and so like the closeness to the story that I like the psychological and emotional closeness that I feel to a story when I read it is a lot different than how close I will let myself get when I'm uh, watching a movie. Oh, that's really cool. So. Well, I, I'm actually have started to reread it because really? there's so much in it that is just about like the special kind of magic of childhood uh-huh. that even even if even if your childhood wasn't that great it's just like kind of like these secret places and the secret knowledge and you I think it's easier to see it looking back but that you you do end up having your own places and spaces and they become more important you know I think as you as you get older Mm -hmm. um it's a great book it's so good should it have been 500 pages shorter 
I cannot. I'm. I can. I love Stephen King so much that I cannot be a good critical voice there. Me neither. Uh, and a part of the reason for that is that the storytelling and the characters tend to just be so engrossing that they. It doesn't like. I don't care that the stand is as long as it is. I want to be living there with those people yeah. for that long. I, that's how I feel about it. That's why I'm like, I pr- maybe, probably, but I don't care. Because <laughs> <Right. laughs> we're so engrossed. But, well, this is fun. And, you know, of course, yours, you will won't, we'll need a Tara. We'll need a Tara origin story. Oh, my gosh. It's going to be like... I was 16 years old <laughs> the first time I saw a horror movie. <laughs> Were you really? I mean, I think it depends on your definition of horror. I'd really have to think about it. Uh, what was that one? What was the one when you were 16? Uh, it wasn't even... Oh, no. No. It was earlier than that. I think my first real horror movie was Bram, Stro- Bram Stoker's Dracula. Ah. And that was that was ninety two, ninety three when it came out. Yes, and it was just before I moved to Rochester, so it was uh, eighth grade, so ninety five, ninety four, ninety five. By the time I saw it, so and all I knew is that it was going to be scary. Yeah, that's all I knew. It was, it was, I've, my appreciation of it has definitely grown over the years and I will look forward as will our listeners to hearing your story as well. Well, thanks. Yeah. Um, send us your stories. Yeah. Send us your origin stories, dearfinalgirl at gmail.com. You can DM us on Twitter at Final Dear. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm around on Facebook, you know, the gra- the grand the grandparents platform. I don't know how <laughs> I've ended up there. I really don't. I'm hardly ever on Twitter anymore. And for some reason, I'm on Facebook. But it, a lot of it is to connect with. The only reason the main one of the main reasons I'm on Facebook is to connect with my horror buddies. Talk with the other memos. Yeah, talk with the other memos. <laughs> Did you see that? Oh my god. <laughs> to just be rude to people on yeah. Facebook Marketplace. <laughs> Uh, I'm actually spending a lot of time on TikTok not creating things, although I have thoughts about writing that I think this I should share this on TikTok. That could be cool. Yeah. Really, it's just like editor rants. Don't do this. (laughs) Don't do this. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Well, cool. Well, until our next episode, which will be a letter. Happy Halloween, guys. Oh, yeah. Spooky season. (laughs) Stay safe out there. Bye. Tune in next time for another origin story from your horror community. Till next time, this is Dear Final Girl. Remember, stay alive out there.